Hey there, I'm so excited to tell you about Radiotopia's newest show, The Recipe with Kenji and Deb. Kenji and Deb are two of the best home cooks alive. J. Kenji Lopez-Alt of The Food Lab and The Walk, and Deb Perlman of Smitten Kitchen. Two of my go-tos to make sure I'm getting the perfect recipe for everything from meatballs to muffins. They're pros who obsess over techniques and essential ingredients, so you learn everything you need to create your perfect recipe. You can finally be excited to eat what you make, and maybe even impress your friends and family. Help us welcome the newest show to the Radiotopia family. Find The Recipe with Kenji and Deb on your favorite podcast platform starting February 26th. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Dear Diary. Sixth grade. February 14. 1991. I am really depressed. How could she break up with me? Mom, you can't read this. I met Gabe when I was 15 or 16, and we were just so instantly close. We were just such dumb kids. We'd, like, park and make out till the windows would get steamed up or the cops would come. For some teenagers, there's nothing more powerful than puppy love. It's a romance so intense, you can end up planning out the rest of your life. We worked together. We went to school together. Our parents actually... Then this was bizarre, just kind of like gave in and said, fine, you can live together. So he would be at my house for a week, and then I'd go to his house for a week. Gabe and I were engaged. He tries to say we weren't. He got down on a knee, and he put a sweet little French posy ring on me that he had hidden in a bag of cookies that he baked. From PureX and Radiotopia, this is the Mortified Podcast. I'm Neil. Today, the story of a teenager who gets swept off her feet and misses the very obvious writing on the wall. Again, and again, and again. I'd say teenage Angela had no gator. Here's Angela Lavelle sharing her teenage journals on stage at Wanderlust Hollywood. Like most junior high romances, this one was doomed to fail. Um, But I probably should have seen it coming. He wrote the following love letter to me when I was 17. July 22nd. Hi, baby. I missed you so much. I really wanted to talk to you, but your phone line is busy, so I'm writing to you instead. I'm double spacing so you can read this easier. I'm listening to the Broadway soundtrack for I Do, I Do. And the way they are at the beginning is just the way we are. So it made me miss you more. I was thinking about how wonderful life will be when we grow up, get married, have bambinos, babies, win Tony Awards, and grow old together. I love you, Gabe. January 3rd. My dearest diary, 
My one true and sweetest love has gone. He was my entire life, my angel. I've been such a fool. Of course you're confused, Gabe. You're still just a child. <laughs> Gabe is the best friend I have ever known, and I don't intend to lose him. Someday I'll find love again. January 21st. I hate Gabe. <laughs> fuck him in his face. Fuck him in his ear. And definitely fuck him in his ass. <laughs> he can drop dead for all I care. All he does is get into chat rooms and talk to cool shades who just wants to sex him up. Actually, I wish he were here so I could say this to his stupid face and watch him pretend to cry, which would cheer me up because he's such a bad actor. <laughs> he is the biggest loser I've ever met. I'm glad I have his precious CD cartridge and I'll never give it back. <laughs> yeah, so I was obviously devastated. <laughs> We'd been fighting about something really petty. We got home from rehearsal and I was hungry, and I was mad, and I was tired, and I started to put a bowl of cereal together. And he came in the kitchen, and he was just, he was so upset, and he had tears in his eyes, and he said, I have to tell you something. And he took me into the laundry room, and I've never seen him like that, ever. He was just like twisting his hands, and his face was contorted, and he said, we have to break up. And I thought he was being dramatic, and I said, why? And he said, because I'm gay. I was devastated. I mean, I remember running outside my house so I could shake my fists at the sky and tell God to go fuck himself. Gabe was the kindest, funniest, most lovable person I'd ever known. And he loved all the things about me that I wanted to be loved for aside from my genitals. <laughs> Finding a new love to rival our relationship was going to be difficult, and apparently I had a type. <laughs> February 4th, right, thank you. <laughs> Tim is a wonderful human being. And that's rare for someone who's elected homecoming king. Tim is too good to even be human. He gives me hope that not all men are pigs. This virgin mind of mine has never been able to function with my head. <laughs> the other night, Tim called and asked if he could come stay at my place. When he got there, he told me his dad kicked him out because he's gay. I think I handled it really well, better than his dad, at least. <laughs> Whatever, I'm gonna get cute and diet again. January 24th. Well, it's been a year. I gained 20 pounds and Gabe got a boyfriend. <laughs> Him having a boyfriend should be a good thing, but it's not. He no longer calls or writes. When I finally found a phone card to call him, he said he couldn't talk because Alex was there. I bawled. Wasn't it supposed to be different? I miss how anorexic I was after he told me he was gay. Why can't I go back to that time and place? <laughs> March 1st, happy leap year, whatever. <laughs> I keep remembering Aunt Becky telling me that I'll find a guy to worship me, when? Gabe said he sometimes wishes he'd accidentally gotten me pregnant so that I'd visit him in St. Louis with our baby. 
Then we made up this great joke about how the kid would be straight, but we'd force him to dress and drag and call him Faggy Jr. It was so funny. If I ever do get stuck having a baby boy instead of a girl, I hope he's gay. It'll be like having a girl, but better. June 29th, Ryan and I got really drunk and he fingered me. Then he threw up all night. (laughs) I left pretty early the next morning, but had to make him give me the $21 for the alcohol. He's the one who wanted it. He was mad about that and kept saying, guess you think I'm gay, I'm not gay. I actually hadn't thought that. (laughs) Throwing up directly after fingering a girl is a pretty big sign though. (laughs) September 20th. Went to a playground late last night with Rose and all of her friends. Her best friend, Kevin, is super cute and funny, and he kept asking lots of questions about me. Then we went to the diner, and when I came out of the bathroom, Rose shouted, Hey, Angie, how was that dump you just took? (laughs) Everyone laughed except Kevin, because he's classy. October 2nd. Kevin told us he's gay. (laughs) Rose knew, and I pretended to know. But what gay guy hates the color pink? October 24th. I just had the best first date of my life. Greg's in a band, and he writes music reviews for the city paper. He's so funny, cute, and smart. And he's going with me to see the Capote movie at the Gay and Lesbian Film Festival this weekend. (laughs) October 30th. (laughs) Jesus, right? (laughs) Greg said he doesn't want me to have sex with him until he loses 10 pounds. Um, isn't that kind of a girl thing to say? (laughs) November 5th. I don't know what's going on, but I'm devastated. Greg says he's confused and needs time to think. He won't see me or talk to me, so I parked outside his house and waited for him to get home like a crazy person. He saw me and drove off, but I think he's the crazy one. Through it all, Gabe has been with me, whispering in my ear he's gay and just openly loathing every guy I've dated since I was 14. Um, Until now. I'm finally with a man who loves me the way I've always wanted to be loved, genitals included. He's the kindest, funniest, most lovable person I've ever known, and even Gabe loves him. With age comes wisdom, or at least gaydar. The following is my last journal entry in a long line of gay love affairs, or so I hope. (laughs) (laughs) April 12th, 2013. Came to Austin to cover South by Southwest and stayed with Gabe for about three weeks. It's just like when we were 14. Our love changed, but it's still just as strong. He really is my best friend. When I got here, he kept whining about his new boyfriend and how annoying he was. 
So Gabe got really drunk and broke up with the poor guy over the phone, cried all day, ordered Papa John's, and made me watch Pixar movies. <laughs> Finally, he passed out on the couch. <laughs> Then he booked an emergency appointment with his therapist, came home, told me I'm his soulmate, we should buy a house together, and maybe even have a baby. I just laughed and hugged him, but inside I was thinking, no way is a gay guy my soulmate, no fucking way. <laughs> Thanks, guys. That was Angela Lovell, reading aloud her childhood writings with no embellishing, no exaggerating, just God-given awkwardness, in Los Angeles at Wanderlust Hollywood. Now, we caught up with Angela recently in our post-mortem, FIDE. And honestly, there was so much we wanted to know. Like, just how many times exactly has she found herself in a relationship with a gay guy? I would say since I was 14, I've probably dated or, you know, crushed on, um, I would say probably like... 25 to 30 gay men. I feel like it is maybe a gypsy curse. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. And since Angela was having trouble explaining it, we asked someone to join the conversation who could. The one person who's been there to witness her relationship failures all along. Former high school sweetheart and BFF, Gabe. I actually think Angie has great gaydar. I just think that... <laughs> I do. I just think that she, yeah, you're welcome. But I just think that (laughs) she lets maybe wishful thinking kind of uh, (laughs) throw her gaydar out of whack, you know? Of course, whether or not someone has good gaydar is a ridiculous debate. Nonetheless, it's a debate that has raged for years between the friends. In fact, they've overanalyzed just about every guy Angela has been with. It'd just be something like, you're right, he does have a Judy Garland poster above his bed. (laughs) Something stupid like that, we would lose it. We'd start just (laughs) destroying him, like ripping him to shreds. And just as we're starting, just as we're losing it laughing, she suddenly changes her mind and decides we've gone too far. And then she gets very offended at me. And I'm still (laughs) wiping tears from my eyes. And she's suddenly kind of yelling at me about, you know, hey, he's not really like that. It hits so close to home sometimes. All joking aside, Angela has endured several breakups because her boyfriend just wasn't into girls. But no breakup was harder on her than Gabe. Of course, it was a huge moment for him, too. It was, after all, his coming out story. Something just snapped in my head when I said, okay, you're 17 now. This is not going away. And I loved her so much and knew that I couldn't put her through more years of me lying about this. I just couldn't wait anymore. And she kept asking me what was wrong. I told her I needed to tell her something important, and we went to the laundry room, which was kind of private, and I just uh, told her, I said, you know, I love you so much, but we have to break up. And she started getting kind of upset and said, no, you're overreacting. We just had a little fight tonight. Nothing's wrong. And I just kind of blurted it out, and I said, no, I have to break up with you because I'm gay. And I just, I'll never forget, she kind of clasped her hands over her mouth to stifle a scream or something. And the rest of the night was a, you know, in my head now, it's just kind of a, a blur of, of us going back and forth with me trying to convince her that this was real, that I wasn't going through some phase. I was devastated. And I, you know, I really wish, I wish I had been better at it. I really believed like we, yeah, we're going to go win Tony awards together. We're going to have babies. We're going to, we're going to go do all of that. The problem with that was 
that whole process was about two weeks where I was staying at her house and we were going back and forth day after day, night after night with her kind of trying to convince me that I could change. And finally it reached a climax where I just said, you know, as sorry as I am that all this happened, I have to leave. And I just packed up all my things in my car that night and drove back home. Angie and I really needed about at least a year where we barely talked at all. And then we finally saw each other again at some kind of party or gathering. I had expected that when she saw me there, maybe she would just turn around or, you know, be angry or something. And instead, she just gave me a big smile and she went over and we gave each other a hug. And I think after that year of healing or cleansing or whatever, we were able to let that old definition of our relationship die. And what was left beneath was that wonderful love that we still have for each other today. And that has never, ever died. And if anything, it's just gotten stronger to me. It's a lot like a relationship I'd have with a sibling. He is such a big part of who I am and the life I have, and I would lose it without him. I love him so much. I talked to my therapist at one time about how I was um, sometimes disappointed that I couldn't find a partner with that same level of friendship that I had with Angie. And he said something that was very profound to me. He said, some people go their whole lives and never have a friend like that. And he says, maybe, maybe it's okay that you just have one. Before we said goodbye, I needed to ask Gabe directly, what does he really think of Angela's fiancé, Josh? Is her gaydar finally working? I have not gotten any uh, gay vibe from him at all. He seems (laughs) very, very, very interested in Angie in a good way. I just love him, and I couldn't be happier for Angie. To share the shame, follow us on Facebook or Twitter, or visit GetMortified.com to learn about Mortified stage shows, books, films, and beyond. Click participate, and who knows, maybe you'll appear on a future episode of this series. As many of you know, the Mortified Podcast is a proud member of Radiotopia from PRX, which is made possible with support from the Knight Foundation and MailChimp, who celebrate creativity, chaos, and teamwork. If you're interested in supporting our podcast, we'd love that. Email sponsor at radiotopia.fm. Our podcast production team for this episode includes Kathy Tu, Pierce Purcelli, Dave Nielberg, and myself, Neil Ketcher. Leonard Hyman story produced this for the stage. Music by Gordon Bash, Alex Burke, Adam Smith, The Angel, Zoe Rose Palladino, and Snake Snake Snakes. Additional thanks to Lance Roberts Studios, Will Dwyer, Tamar Avishai, Eric Bass, Angela's friend Gabe, and all the dedicated Mortified Live producers whose work make the stage show possible. Until next time, we remind you that we are freaks, we are fragile, and we all survived.